leading me to do some studying uh, on a specific subject. And just because life is so crazy right now, one of the funny things that happened is um, he gave me a word and what to study and what to seek in his word and in prayer before I even realized it was Easter Sunday this Sunday. Uh, and at first I was a little confused because uh, I was like, well, Lord, you know what we usually do on Easter? And it is to honor Christ, which is what we do as Christians. Um, and what he did and how that affects our walk and our life as Christians in our everyday walk. And so I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, this might be a little confusing to anybody who's going to listen, anybody who's going to be here, anybody who's going to watch this, why a sermon like this would be given on Easter Sunday. And then the Lord made it clear. He said, continue to study what I've told you to study. He said, it's not just for Sunday. It's not just for a sermon. He said, it's something I need you to understand. And so I did. And as I studied more and as the Lord gave me more revelation, I started to understand that what Jesus did on resurrection day, on the day he was he was rose rose from the tomb, is what this sermon is actually about. We all know Christ died on the cross for our sins. We know he defeated death. We know he went to hell. We know he got the keys to hell. And he took back authority of man that God originally gave to Adam and Eve that they lost. And that's just one of the few of many, 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 many things that Christ did on the cross, and when he was resurrected, completed everything that was prophesied and everything that the Lord Father had intended for his son, Jesus Christ, to accomplish here. And today's sermon is on one of the Godheads that is probably the most ignored, probably the most understood, misunderstood, sorry, but one of the most talked about people of the Godhead, and that is the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about three things in general. He talked about the Father mainly, pointing to the Father, the Kingdom, and the Holy Spirit. And one of the first revelations the Lord gave me was, where the Holy Spirit is Lord, Christ is Lord, and the Father is Lord. We see one of the things that we've seen a lot of Christians frustrated with, we've seen a lot of Christians walking in in churches, especially New Age churches or churches that are so on the older side that nothing has changed and nothing has moved in years and decades. And we're like, oh, well, Christ isn't the head of the church anymore. Nobody's honoring him as, you know, as the head of the church, which he is. He's the head of the body of Christ. And we know that is all for the Father's will as we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And, but then we sing songs to the Holy Spirit. We sing songs about the Holy Spirit and, you know, we call him a, a breath of God or this, we have this understand, misunderstanding that the Holy Spirit is this movement of God or this power of God that comes through. And the Holy Spirit is not that. The Holy Spirit is not a breath of God. He is not a an impression of God. He is not this this small little manifestation of, of the Father's will that happens in some places when we honor Christ. But what the Lord was showing me, and I'll get into Scripture in this here in a second because it's a little bold to say this. Christ isn't Lord where the Holy Spirit is not honored as Lord, period. The Word of God says that the Holy Spirit is one of the Trinity. What is the Trinity? The Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, altogether God. John Bevere put this in a very, very good way in his book, The Holy Spirit, actually. He said, to try to understand the Trinity better, because it's very hard for our human logical minds to understand the Trinity. It doesn't make a lot of sense. We just walk in faith with it. 
And he said, it's, it's about the temperature and the climate. He said, let's take water, for example, H2O. The molecule itself never changes. Not even a bit, not even a little bit, not even in any way does the molecule change. However, it can be liquid, solid, and gas, and each one has their purpose. We have humidity, we call that's the gas version of water. We have water, the water, liquid, like this bottle, and then we have ice, because it's frozen. But it never changes its structure. It is still H2O, period. And each one has their function, but in the end, it's still H2O. And there's never a time that the Godhead, the, all three, ever separate the will. They, they always are working towards the same goal constantly. And one of the things that we're not seeing anymore, uh, if at all, and I think it's because we think the Holy Spirit is this release of God because of Christ into certain services or in prayer time or in the secret place, and that's just not so. We have a misunderstanding. When the Word never puts the Holy Spirit in that sense, but that's our perception. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions we have is that we call him the Holy Spirit. And in the South, it's, it's known, and I'm not saying it's disrespectful by any means or incorrect, but we'll call him the Holy Ghost. And I think we, 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 when we think about that, when we think of ghost and spirit, our cultural minds, not just in America, but around the world, go to one thing, this this thing that's there but not there, this, this essence of something. Because when we think of these stories of a ghost, of a person, what do we think? We think of the essence of somebody who once was. But the Holy Spirit has always been, as has the Son and the Father. We go to Genesis and said, in the beginning was God. Right? Then it says what? The earth was void and formless. And the first of the Godhead mentioned specifically said, in his spirit hovered above the waters. The Spirit of God. He is a he, not an it. And when we see that, we understand that the Holy Spirit has to be there first. So when the will of the Father is spoken, Jesus, being the administrator, being the advocate, being the one through which all is done, he receives the will of the Father and the Holy Spirit does it. But the Holy Spirit had to be there. God the Father did not come and hover above the waters. God the Son, the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come down and hover above the waters. It says the Spirit of God hovered above the waters. Why? Because the Bible constantly talks about some, I'll just give you some of the names of the Holy Spirit. The finger of God. These are all in Scripture. The hand of God, the arm of God. He is the one who does the will of God. And so what we have to understand is, you know, everything, the truth is, everything is about Jesus. One of my favorite revelations from Paul is when he says... I come in the name of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, for which and by which all things were created. So now we understand that Jesus, this resurrected Jesus, has been way before. He has always been. For which and by which all things were created. So that means, you know, a lot of Christians know this and some don't. Jesus was not plan B when man messed up. He has always been. Always. He shows up multiple times in the Old Testament. There's some debate about that, but when you just pray about it and when you understand the authority that God himself carries, when I say God himself, I mean God, the God. There's only one God. Again, go back to the water. There's only one H2O. There's only one water in all of existence. It's either H2O or it's not, but it can be in different forms and still be the same thing. That is the Trinity. But we really focus on the Father and we really focus on Jesus, which we should. 
But we don't focus on the Holy Spirit until we want to feel something. We don't focus on the Holy Spirit until we want a gift. And we don't focus on the Holy Spirit because the only time we do, really, is when we think we can get something from God. And it's like, oh, well, we have, just want more Holy Spirit, but you don't have more Jesus. What do you do? You give more of yourself to him. The Holy Spirit is God. He is as much God as Christ, and he's as much God as the Father, is he not? It sounds like a dumb question, but now let's put into perspective how we view the Holy Spirit. How many people hearing my voice right now, and you can raise your hand if you want to, you don't have to, know you can talk to the Holy Spirit? How many people do you, how many people here know Jesus told us to? And how many people here know that Jesus talked with the Holy Spirit all the time? Why? Because he said, I do and say nothing but the will of my Father. How did he talk to the Father? Jesus is on earth. Did he have a special connection that we don't have? At the time, yes, he did. He sure did. He carried the spirit of the living God. He's not this. And that's, I think, where a lot of confusion comes in because we say he carried the spirit of the living God. But that's his name. That's not his function. His function is not to be the spirit of God. That's just his name. He carried God with him because his temple was clean. We look at, uh, we can go back to, I believe it's in 1 Kings when Solomon is building the temple that David was going to, but he was too busy. God had him fighting battles and, and led him to do, to do other things, but David still wanted to build this, this temple for God that God had given instruction on how to build. So Solomon said, I have time. I'm going to do it in honor of God. So he did, and God said, if you keep my statutes and if you keep my commandments, then will I dwell among you. And I will never depart from my people of Israel. He said, then will I dwell among you. He said, if you keep my temple holy, I'll dwell with you. Don't believe me? Do you know what they kept in the Holy of Holies in Solomon's temple? And if you don't know, the Holy of Holies, nobody could enter. You would die. Once a year, the high priest would go in for, the, would go in for everybody's sin. He would, he would go in and do this ritual before God. Only one guy could. If you even thought about going in that room, if you got close enough, you would die. You could not go in there. But in that room housed the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Old Testament, that is God's presence. And if you don't know, you should really do some study on that because it is insane when you look at the story of the Ark of the Covenant and everywhere it went and what happened when it went somewhere. But God said, my presence is there. Now, we know at one time the, the Ten Commandments were in there, but what it really was was the presence of God. So it was kept in the Holy of Holies so people couldn't be there. There was this separation from God's people that he had chosen from God himself. And the only connection they had was the Holy of Holies and a prophet every now and then. Because we see the Bible full of prophets. We do. But we have to understand this is over a vast thousands of years. God always had his people. But see, here's, here's the problem. Can you imagine on today of all days, the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, that if you sin today, you had to wait till one day of year. On a special occasion, it could be more than that. Where you had to go to someone else. Tell them your sins. And they had to take everybody's sin temporarily. Go into the Holy of Holies and lay them down. So God could forgive them. Because when there is sin, there has to be repentance. There has to be... You ever heard of repentance? There has to be repentance. There has to be a payment. Something has to be paid for your sins. So now... 
We look up to where we are today. We look up to where's Christ, and we look at the day that we celebrate on this day. We should be doing it every day. But today, I, it's great that we're on it. I'm not knocking on Resurrection Day or Easter. But we look at this Jesus who came to fulfill that. Now, we've heard that Jesus tore the veil. What veil? What does that mean? People sing it in worship songs. I've had people I know in worship groups who've seen it. They're like, what does that even mean? I'm like, why are you singing it? <laughs> why are you singing something you don't know? You should be careful. Not that you're in danger. And it's just you should know what you're singing. If, if you have questions, that's great. But you've been singing this for a while. So what does tearing the veil mean? See, again, imagine you sin. You can't go to God on your own. There is a separation from you and God. A complete separation from you and God. So what, do you, what has to happen? There has to be a penance. But the problem was a, a, a perfect lamb didn't exist. There was pretty lambs. There were ones without blemish, but there wasn't a perfect lamb. So God himself said, this is my will. And he came down himself. There's this, I've seen debates. There's these small sects of Christians that, call, that say Jesus isn't God. Uh, he's, he, he isn't God. He was this prophet who, and they call themselves Christians. If Jesus isn't God and a man, then what he did was useless. Stephen, Mark, Stephen was martyred in honor of the Lord. They, he looked up and saw them receive him in honor, and, but he was just a man. He was the son of God when he died, but he wasn't the son of God. So now we understand that Jesus came and he tore this veil, this separation where I had to go to a man a few times a year, if not just one time a year, to get a hold of God and get things done. But now, but now I can go to God myself. Why? Why? Is it because Jesus lives in my heart? No, he does not. He's on the right hand of the Father. Let's go back to Stephen. He looked up as he was being stoned. As he was being stoned, he looked up and he said, I behold the Father, and on the right hand of him is the Son of Man. Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. He looked up and he saw where Jesus was. Jesus has ascended. He said, I will be at the right hand of my Father. That's where he is. He's not in your heart. Why? Because when you say Jesus is in your heart, you're slapping the third of the Godhead in the face. Jesus said, I'm going to turn over here. Uh, turn with me to John. 14. We'll back up a little bit. Go to John 14. Verse 12. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his robe, Oh, wait, I'm in 13. Forgive me. <laughs> I was like, wait, that's weird. Maybe we actually need to get back to that. I assure you, the one who believes in me will, do, will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I'm going to go back a little bit. Jesus is not in your heart. He does not dwell in your heart. He said, I assure you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Is he in your hearts? Where is he? To the He's at the Father's hand. He's on the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, being our advocate. He literally, you don't believe me? He's being our advocate? Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That means he talks to the Father for us. 
He's our lawyer in a sense. Except we always get off because in the end, all he has to do is look at the mercy seat and the blood of Christ is still there. But if we go over to John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Christ knew he was about to leave earth. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. He's saying, I am Christ the Messiah, the Son of God. Come to take all of your sins. He said, it is better that I leave. Why? Why is it better that God, why, why God himself incarnate, leave this earth? He said, because I'm sending the counselor. And it's, it's capitalized. The Holy Spirit has more names than the, any of the, well, maybe not God himself as the Godhead. But as the Trinity, the Holy Spirit has so many names, it's almost ridiculous. And every one of his names indicate one of his functions. But what Jesus is saying is, listen, you, because what did I just read? He said, greater works you will do than I. God said, greater works you will do than Jesus Christ when he leaves. Now, we just jump to verse 16, and he explains why. Because I'm sending a counselor. He is saying, I am able to walk in this way. I walk in righteousness. I can convict people of their sins and they repent in turn. And that is because I carry the Holy Spirit of the living God in me. He said, and if you want it, I have to go. I have to tear the veil because if I, leave, if I don't leave, I can't send him. He said, not only, see, the greatest thing about the cross isn't just our salvation. It's not just that our sins are wiped away and cleansed by the blood of Christ. It's that the blood of Christ has cleansed us so much that we have become a temple. Don't believe me? Christ walked in the Holy Spirit daily. And he said this temple will be destroyed and rebuilt in three days. He called his body a temple. Did he not? And so when he calls his body a temple, he's saying, because I walk like I do, because I walk in the will of the, in, in, of the, will of the Father, he said that even my words are not my own, but the Father who dwells within me. The Father's at the, he's on the throne. So who is he talking about? Who impregnated Mary? It says the Holy Spirit came upon her. The word says the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she was pregnant. So who's Jesus' father? Yeah, there's the Father God. They're all the same. So it can't be disrespectful. But in our logical minds, it makes us want to correct it. It makes us want to correct it. But Jesus said, my, he said, my father dwells within me. Who impregnated Mary? Mary's his mother. God didn't say, I'm your mother too. He said, Mary's your mother. And even on the cross, he said, Mother, for woman, behold your son. So now that we, we, we're starting to understand that Jesus walked like that because his temple was holy, because he was God, he said, listen, y'all have to understand, I'm coming to make you like me. That does not mean perfection. But Jesus came so that he can make us like him, make us temples. So what if we keep his commandments? And we keep his statutes and we live holy the best we can, living 
walking towards sanctification, he said, then will I dwell among you. You want to know why people are laying hands like this word says and they're not being healed? Do you want to know why people are trying to cast sickness out of people and demons out of people and nothing's happening? You want to know, but this word says it's supposed to. This word did not lie, but I just read it to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Who was the ruler of the world before Christ? Say, He's already been judged. He's already been judged. But he said he's coming to convict of sin. Why? Not just so you can be forgiven, so you stop living in it in true repentance, thus doing what? Making your body holy. Because the word says even your body was bought with a price. You want to wonder why you should be healthy and eat better? Why you shouldn't be on drugs and drinking all the time? Or at all, in my opinion. Because once you call yourself a Christian, you're saying, my body is not mine. It was bought. It was bought with blood. But it was saved by blood. But now, Jesus is saying, I am a temple who carries the Spirit of God, the third of the Godhead. He said, my words aren't my own, but the one who dwells within me. So he's, not, he's saying, everything that I do, I'm showing you how you are to live. And he goes, I am God himself, the Son of God. I've never sinned in perfect, and I'm going to die for your sins and love for you. He said, but I don't do anything outside of what God the Father wills. How does he will it? How does he talk to us? How does he show us anything? The Holy Spirit. He is a he. He has feelings. Don't believe me? Grieve not the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be grieved? Hurt. Mourning. Dissatisfied. Unhappy. Bothered. Sad even. He is a he just like the Father and just like the Son. He's not an it. He's not a breath of God. He is the breath of God. He is not a touch of God. He is God's hand. So we don't understand why we're not seeing healing when people are, are coming up and laying hands on the sick and they're like, oh, well, you just keep having faith. They might have faith, but yours is so weak. You do not live in repentance. You do not live in holiness. You're up there preaching on Sundays and going home and drinking that night watching football. That's not holy. Don't call me religious. God said, be holy for I am holy. And you're not. You're living like the world. And you're wondering why because this is what you have to understand. Jesus said, I do nothing. That means every healing, every demon cast out, every life saved, every soul saved, every person brought from the brink of death and in hell up to redemption, the man who comes to mind is the guy who was on the side of Jesus, who called him Lord. Say, so you don't deserve to be up here, but we do. I just ask that you remember me when you enter your kingdom. And he said, surely on this day you will be with me in paradise. That's, I can't read that in the Bible without crying every time. That was the first man saved by the cross, and he was on one. So why do you think Jesus was doing all these things? Because he was showing you the power of God that he expected, and he actually bought for us to walk in. But we don't see the healings because we have people laying on our hands, but they're not living holy. He says right here the Holy Spirit came to convict of sin. Why? What's conviction? To show you what you're doing wrong so you repent and go this way instead. It's not just, Lord, forgive me. I'm going to keep going down this road, though. Forgive me this one time. I ask again tonight and the next day and the next day. I've, I've done that. It's miserable. It's miserable. There's no freedom. 
Where it also says, I just preached this last time I preached, where the spirit of the, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. <gasps> Why are we saying freedom? Because I'm going to go back to the first thing I said. Where the Holy Spirit is Lord, Christ is Lord, and so is the Father. But the Holy Spirit is not this, this wind of assurance that happens during good worship. He can come in that way, sure. He can manifest his presence that way, sure. But he should be made holy nonetheless. You shouldn't need a song for that. You shouldn't need a song for that. And I can prove it to you. It's still the same mindset of religiousness. Yeah, I can prove it. You know what they used to have to do? I already talked about this. What did they have to do before God? Sacrifices, burnt offerings. High priest, holy of holies. Sacrificial lamb. That's what they call worship. And even all the way back with Samuel the prophet, 1 Samuel says, what is it better to do, obey God or burn, or burn offerings and sacrifice? He said, which one is greater? He said, obedience is. Today, we don't do that anymore because we have a sacrificial lamb who was sacrificed for us. But we're trying to replace this worship with something other than obedience to God because when we're obedient, what does it cause us to do? Change, repent. Who does that? The Holy Spirit. So when we grieve Him and we do what we want, we think we can make up for it by listening to or singing worship music. Guys, I am not attacking worship groups. I'm not, I'm not attacking people who sing worship songs at the beginning of service. I am not. I'm saying it does not fulfill the Holy Spirit. It does not take His place. He is God. Your music is not. Your songs are not God. You want to honor God? You want to truly worship Him? It's very simple. Obey let your flesh die. This word says that we were crucified with Christ. Were you? Were you crucified with Christ? Because I can promise you, if you weren't, you were not resurrected with him. Because I, I, I have a friend named Oscar. He just put on there. He said, if I was preaching services and I was about to have me an altar call and say, who wants to accept Christ as their Savior? Because I wouldn't say it like that. He said, I would say this. Who here is ready to sacrifice and crucify their flesh and turn from everything they've done and chase after God with all they have to see Christ daily? That's what it means to accept Christ as your Savior. That, it sounds harsher, but it's true. You can come up there and say a prayer all you want, but if you go back to the way you were, what changed? So I'm going to go back. Why aren't we seeing the healings that this word promises? Jesus just said, I just read it to you. Jesus said, you will be doing greater things than I. Did he not? If he said you should be doing greater things than I, and we're not even seeing 1% of the greatness that Jesus did in this word, something's wrong. Because that means either Jesus is a liar when he was speaking to his disciples and to us, or something's wrong with us. If we're not seeing deliverance, we're not seeing demons cast out, which was normal, by the way. If you haven't seen a demon cast out, I would pray about it. Something's wrong. You should see it. I've seen it multiple times. It's in the Bible. It was right there in line with the greatness of the Lord with healing and miracles. It was just as equal in amazement that this man could walk up and say, get out. Get out now. And they would flee in terror. Not the people, the demons. The person was free would stand up praising God. So why aren't we seeing the greater things that Jesus said we would do? Because we have not made the Holy Spirit Lord. Our perception of Him is wrong. There is ignorance. But here's the thing. Once you know the truth, there is no excuse. 
And nobody, I haven't really heard the question asked. How is Christ Lord? How is the Father Lord, but not the Holy Spirit? Why is he, when the Word calls him him, and the Word says that he is the third of the, of God, of the Godhead, he is as much God as Christ and the Father, why is he looked at as this feeling of God? The word, uh, two of the names of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father and the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Why? That doesn't make sense. Hold on a second. Isn't that the essence of Jesus? No, there's no such thing. Isn't that the essence of the Father? No, they're all in one. So the Holy Spirit sure can be the, the uh, he is as much Christ as he is the Father. But they are separate. But they're all one. You see, does that make sense? So he can be the Spirit of Jesus Christ and, and the Spirit of the Father because he's the Holy Spirit. They're all one, so why couldn't he be? That's a hard thing to tackle through with our humanly logical minds. And it can be frustrating. Thank you, Lord. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. Do you, not, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Again, why aren't we seeing the miracles? Why aren't we seeing the deliverance? Why aren't we seeing the salvation that Christ has accomplished for us? Why? Because we are not making the Holy Spirit Lord. When we are pushing him away all week, then coming to Sunday and saying, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. He ain't even welcome in your own home or prayer life because you don't want conviction. You're afraid of it. And if somebody even preaches, I've seen somebody on Facebook Post just scripture. Not their opinions, not a follow-up, not a paragraph on the side, just scripture. And you should see 50 plus comments. This is a pastor down in Florida I saw this on. Awesome man. Awesome man. 50 plus comments. These people writhing, snarling at the mouth, foaming at the teeth, angry because he posted scripture. And I got simply on there and said, y'all might want to check y'all's heart and go into prayer because all he did was post the word of God. You're not mad at him. You're mad at God. If that made you angry, something's wrong with you. But then it hit me here this last week. People like that, which we see all the time, and most of them are all happy to be at church shaking everybody's hand. But the second correction comes, which the father corrects those he loves. You make yourself a bastard child. You don't want it. But how does the Lord correct? Two ways. Word of God. Which was written by who? By men moving and living in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wrote this. So conviction comes from here and direct conviction from the Holy Spirit. Whether it be in your prayer time or through a brother or sister who loves you. People who make you comfortable in your sin. They don't love you. They hate you. The Lord says so. What's more heartbreaking than anything it's, it's mainly due to just ignorance I mean I was getting massive amounts of revelation where I had to go repent I'm like Lord I'm sorry that I have limited you in my life Jesus what he's saying to his people right here in, in John 16 what he's saying he's, he's saying I have to go because I am bringing a promise to you Paul even calls it a down payment of our inheritance that's what he calls the Holy Spirit when he comes. He says that he is a down payment for our inheritance in the kingdom. You have no Christian life outside of the Holy Spirit. Why? Let's go back. He said, when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. What does that mean? One of the holy things the Spirit does. I want to read it one more time. 
about sin because they do not believe in me. What does that mean? That's one of the functions of the Holy Spirit when he comes. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit reveals the truth of Christ. So how can Christ be Lord when he says the Holy Spirit's the one who makes him Lord? The Holy Spirit always points to Christ. Always. So you can't say Christ is Lord and wonder why he's not in your services. I'll tell you one thing. I've heard it a thousand times. And if you said this, I don't mean this disrespectful, but I can't stand it personally. People say, oh, Jesus is passing by. Don't miss him. Don't miss Jesus as he passes by on this altar. Those who do not pick up their cross and follow me daily have no part with me. You can't miss Christ if you're following him. If you're having fellowship with the Holy Spirit of the living God, you can't miss him. You're with him every day. Even so much so, I'll show you how much, how precious, as much fire, but how precious the Holy Spirit is. He has helped me. Raise your hand if he has too. You say, Lord, where did I put my keys? And you're just looking, all of a sudden he says, look behind you. You look behind you, and boom, somehow in between two books on the shelf, there it is. Satan ain't going to do that. But that's how much you care. Some people say that's just super superstitious. Why? How is that superstitious? They did not even have the gold to pay the toll to park their boat. And the Holy Spirit led them to the beach to cut open the fish. And there, behold, there was the money to pay the toll. You can't tell me God don't care about that stuff. He's like, well, y'all could have just parked somewhere else more inconvenient. He didn't say that. He said, go get this fish and cut it open. And so happens, a fish that was somehow washed up on shore was in the water, and somebody just so happened to drop a coin in the water, and the fish saw it shiny, probably thought it was food, and ate it, and then God let it wash up on shore way before this happened. The fish wasn't alive when they walked up to it. And so we have to, we have to reevaluate how we live our everyday. And while we're like, oh, I don't know, my face hurt because I'm not seeing the healing that, it sh that, we, that this word promises. Jesus said you'll be doing greater things than I. I'm going to ask you a simple question. Is Jesus a liar, yes or no? I didn't think so. You better not be celebrating today if you said yes to that. You might as well go home. You Just try again tomorrow. <laughs> so why isn't this happening? God has this, for one, God has this time and purpose and plan for everything. Two, is, Holy, is the Holy Spirit of God... The one who was promised to us. Jesus did not promise he was going to stay in our rooms and churches with us. He said, I am sending the counselor, the comforter, the teacher. Jesus was called rabbi, but the Holy Spirit is called teacher. Holy Spirit says, it says that the Holy Spirit sits at the front of, at the, front of the throne of God like a fire. And before you think that the Holy Spirit is this dove, he is not a dove. The word says he came upon Jesus when he was baptized like a dove. That means gentle. And it said the Holy Spirit led him to be tempted. Why? That sounds crazy. Why would God lead God to be tempted in sin? Because if he wasn't, he could not be held accountable for ours. So it was to fulfill his purpose. But what does that mean? How many people who are mainly listening to this and watching, how many people have been seeking nothing but their calling this whole time? We know so many people who are like, oh, well, I'm a prophet this, I'm an apostle that, I'm a, I'm a prophet this, I'm an, I'm an apostle that. Everybody wants to be apostles and prophets. Go read what they were. If you really understand the weight that comes with that, you're going to run in fear. It's going to cost you way more than having to put up your beard. It's going to cost you way more than having to turn off your filthy, disgusting TV shows that you make an excuse for, that you let into your home. It's going to cost you a lot more than having to turn off the TV and spend more than 10 minutes with God once a week. 
It's going to cost you everything. Salvation is free. Discipleship costs everything. But you can't be a disciple. You can't walk in Christ. And you can't follow him daily without the Holy Spirit. And I, it, the word proves it. He's our power. We do not have a connection to the Father but through who? Christ. Who reveals Christ according to the words of Christ? The Holy Spirit. Why? Because he is God. He is the God promised to live in us. He is with us constantly. Jesus said, I can't stay with y'all. I got to go, right? He said that. He just, I just read it to you. He said, I've got to go. But what did he say at the end? Really, I say to you, I am with you to the end of the age. That sounds like a contradiction, right? He said, I'm with you forever, but I got to go. I'm out. I got to go. I can't, I can't stay here. But I'm with you forever. Because the spirit of the living God is the same spirit of Jesus Christ that is the same spirit of the Father because they're all one. This is how you know that there's only one God. The Word says it over and over. It's one God. The three functions. John Bevere put it a really good way. Imagine a big, a big building complex needing to be built, right? You have the architect who puts it all together. The one who designs the purpose for this building. That's the Father. Because we seek what? What did Jesus say? I seek and I say and I go the will of who? The Father. That's what we seek. He's the architect. Jesus is the foreman. He's the one who administrates. Without him, the plans of the architect cannot be done. God the, God the Father wanted to save the world, but it couldn't happen unless he sent Christ to do it. So Jesus is by which and for which all things are done. The Holy Spirit are the workers who get it done. When you lay hands and you see somebody healed, it is the Holy Spirit. When the woman touched the hem of his garment, Jesus stopped and said, My virtue has left me. Who touched me? They're like, everybody's touching you, Jesus. He said, no, 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 no. My virtue has left me. He was the first to walk constantly in the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament talks about the Holy Spirit came upon God's chosen. It did. Samson's one. King David's another. Uh, Paul, oh, sorry, not Paul. Um, Samuel. King Saul at one point, I, I can keep going. But not everybody got to just have God living in them because they will not make temples yet. You want to think about what kind of life it was to live as someone like Samuel or to live the life of any of the high priests that could go into the Holy of Holies? They could not carry their own sin. They had to wake up like trying not to sin every day. That's why most of the time they just spent it in prayer. And the Levites would work the temple. And then people would bring their tithes. That's where tithes comes from to the Levites who work the temple. And what happened? They did that to take care of them because they didn't leave. I wouldn't leave either if that was, the, if that was the, my job, to be the holy of, to be the high priest who walks into the Holy of Holies. I wouldn't want to leave either. I'd be on my knees 24-7. I would have calces on my knees as hard as stone. Because that's terrifying. But now we have an advocate. Not only are my sins gone, but they're covered in the blood. Not only is that true, but now I have been made a temple to house his Holy Spirit, just like the temple of Solomon, just like the Ark of the Covenant. He said, if you keep my commandments, that means if you stay holy, then while I dwell among you, but if you don't, I'm gone. Does that mean God, God said I'll never leave or forsake you? He did say that. But how many times does God have to tell you the same thing over and over and over. Why is it you read this Bible and it makes you excited, but when you don't see it happening around you, you just get depressed instead of asking God why? God is not a liar, but we mess up. 
We make mistakes. So why is the Holy Spirit always seen as a movement of God? He is the movement of God. Because he is God. He's the arm, hand, and finger of God. The earth was void and formless, and above the waters, the Holy Spirit hovered, ready to do, ready to work. He's the one who works through us. Jesus said he's the one who works through him. And sometimes I'm feeling this right now that some people are confused. It's almost like there's almost an offense. I'm not saying with anybody here, but maybe with somebody listening, but I felt the Lord's want me to say this right now. It's almost an offense. It almost takes, almost takes glory away from Christ. It actually is the opposite. Christ said that the Holy Spirit will come to reveal Christ to those who never got to walk with him, who never got to see him in person. Jesus just said it. So how can Christ be revealed? Why do you see such a fallen world? Why is everybody praying to God for, for revival and they haven't even had it in their own home yet? Revival is not a set point in time. It's just it's something that happens when we're actually ready to receive the revival. Because what is revival? A new revelation of Jesus Christ. Truly. And it's all receiving it. So if you're wondering why there's something in your life, this sounds familiar, why there's something in your life that won't quite go, what are you hanging on to? What have you not released to the Holy Spirit? He is with you right now. He's with you right now. I used to hear all the time, the Holy Spirit is like a dove on your shoulder. And if you move too fast, oh, there he goes. I'm sorry. That is the Holy Spirit of the living God, the fire of God, the voice of God, literally, the hands and arms of God. He's God. And you think you can offend him so much he runs from you? No, that's an excuse. Because you're having a hard time hearing him. And the truth is, we all do sometimes. That's why we have each other. That's why we have prophets. It's God's will that all should prophesy. That's in the word so many times. Why? Because God wants us to dwell and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. People are craving, and I was praying this. I'm going to be vulnerable here. I was saying, Lord, I want to know Jesus more. That's a crazy call. That's a cr that, that is a far cry for an infinite God, is it not? But I said, I want to know Jesus more, and he led me down another path. Not towards Jesus. Well, so I thought. And he led me to this, this revelation of people's mis in misinterpretation of who the Holy Spirit is, that he is a he. He is the one living in us. He's the one with us. He's the one talking. He's the one healing. He's the one doing all this through who? Christ. He's the one who made us capable of doing this. But if Christ is revealed through the Holy Spirit and you're not walking in him, why aren't people getting reached? Who knows? Oh, wait, they just answered it. And one of the scariest things in the world is how long I went knowing I could talk to the Holy Spirit but not knowing I could talk to him like that. It's one of the greatest invitations that was ever given to us is to be able to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because if we're, we're expected to have one with the Father, we call him Abba Father for a reason. That's personal. Christ, we call he's our Savior, our Lord, the perfect Lamb. But the Holy Spirit is this kind of God who shows up, or this it that shows up every now and then. You want to know how important this is? You want to know how scary this is? There's one sin Jesus said there is no forgiveness for in this world or the next, and that is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And there are people 
There's a little indication of what that can mean. But what happened was the Pharisees were saying something was of Satan when it was of the Holy Spirit because what Jesus was doing was what? Healing people and cast out demons. And they well, surely it's the work of the devil. What did Jesus say? The devil will not cast out a devil. How somebody against itself shall not stand? Then he warns them. They said something that the Holy Spirit was doing. Again, Jesus operated only through the Holy Spirit, the will of the Father through the Holy Spirit, and told us that's what we should do. He did it. He lived his whole life doing it. Then he warned them. He said, Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit has no forgiveness in this world or the next. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's literally what it means. That means there is no forgiveness, even though, even though Jesus knew what he was on this earth to do. He knew. Because notice he said, if you don't pick up your cross and follow me daily, you have no part with me. He, that was before he had been on a cross. That was before he knew. And it scares me a little bit. It really has to think, how close have I gotten to that? You can blaspheme Christ. You can blaspheme the Father. No big deal. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, there is no forgiveness in this world or the next. And y'all want to think of the Holy Spirit as this cool little movement God does every now and then during a really good worship service? Or do you think when that happens that God is being honored in that worship service so he makes his presence manifest known? The Holy Spirit may feel honored. So he makes his, his presence known and people all of a sudden start getting saved. People all of a sudden are getting delivered. Healing is taking place. People who haven't walked in 20 years are running around with their wheelchair above their head. I've seen it in person. Because he was made Lord. But when the Holy Spirit is made Lord, Christ is actually made Lord because he does what? Reveals Christ to us. And who did Christ point to? The Father. In whom we pray to in the name of Jesus. But without the Holy Spirit, there is this block, that veil Jesus tore. How did he, what did he do to tear it? To make us in one communion with the Holy Spirit, Christ and the Father, all three in one, we are to receive. Don't believe it? Uh, talking Paul, I think this is an Acts. He's, Paul's on his mission trip, right? And he comes up to these people preaching about Jesus. Correctly. And Paul just sits there and listens. And he's like, okay. These guys are excited about everything Jesus did. And they are preaching Christ correctly. He said, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they're like, no. He said, receive it now in Jesus' name. And they did. Why? Jesus made a perfect example. When he received the Holy Spirit, what did the Holy Spirit do? Led him to his purpose. There's so many people who want these titles and want these names and these callings without understanding you are a child of God. Because you're a child of God, what Jesus did, you carry his spirit who is God living in you and he's the one who guides you in your purpose in this life. Jesus made it clear. When the Father said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, Holy Spirit comes down Boom, he's off to fulfill his purpose on this earth. So stop running after your calling. Run after the Lord. Run after Christ and his promise of the Holy Spirit, the down payment, and you will see the call on your life come to fruition. But if you're chasing these titles and you're trying to be something that you like to see on Facebook or on TV, you will never reach it. You will never serve God as you're supposed to because you are forsaking him. He hasn't forsaken you. You're forsaking the promise that empowers us. You want to talk about resurrection day? What does the word say? Resurrected Christ. The Holy Spirit resurrected him. And it says we carry that same power. 
And I think sometimes that's where people get confused. That it's, it's this like the radioactive spider that bit Spider-Man. We think of the Holy Spirit like that in terms of being a Christian when it's just not. The Holy Spirit does have power. He's God. Of course. We read 1 Corinthians 12. We read the gifts of the Spirit. That means they're what? Gifts from the Spirit activated through whom? The Holy Spirit. So you want to wonder, yet again, while you're laying hands and people aren't getting healed, that's his gift. And if he's not pleased, it, imagine the Holy Spirit like a Lamborghini, and you're trying to start the car with your finger. You've got the gift. Well, sorry, let me, let me reverse that. The gift is the car. The Holy Spirit's the key. You're trying to start it with your finger. And you're wondering why. Well, it's here. I know it's here. It's been prophesied over me. It's been said that I carry this gift. You might. You might just, the word says that he gives it to whom he pleases. But you can't walk around living like you want to. You can't be mad comparing yourself around just honoring so many people by name, angry all the time, living in sin, and then on Sunday act like you're just, just a great man, just a great woman, shaking everybody's hands, raising your hands up, screaming during worship. And you miss the whole sermon. You, gotta keep, you have to keep your temple holy if you want to see him manifest through you. Because we never saw fault or a failed healing or deliverance or salvation through Jesus Christ, the one who carried no sin. Until that one day, he carried it all mine. Thank you, Lord. Ezekiel 36, 27. You don't have to go there. I'll just read it. I will place my spirit within you. And cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. You ever wonder why you can't get past that block of sin? Why you're still tempted? We will all, we will all to an extent be tempted. The Lord says so. Second Corinthians. He said, I will place my spirit within you. That will cause you to follow my statutes. But you have to be willing. You have to be willing to say, let my flesh die with Christ and let me be resurrected with him too. But what, resurrect, what resurrected Christ? Who resurrected Christ? The Holy Spirit. You want to be resurrected with him? Be resurrected the way he was. When Paul saw these men preaching Christ correctly, he said, have you received the Holy Spirit? He already knew the answer. They're like, no. He's like, you'll receive it now. They're like, yes. And they did. So they can, they can go even further. They can do what they were called to do. They were already evangelizing. You can't tell me those men didn't love God. It doesn't, doesn't even give you their names, but I love these, these two guys. I think it was two. I love them. Because they're out there preaching Jesus and they haven't even received the power thereof yet. And they're out there doing That's their hearts. And then Paul's like, yeah, you don't even need correction. You just need the Holy Spirit. So you can go further in him. Because even Christ himself, God incarnate, had to have him, the Holy Spirit, to do the will of the Father. And if Christ himself had, had to, who are you? Who are you that you don't have to? Who are you that you don't have to hide away in your secret place and fast and pray like Jesus did constantly? Who are you that you are not sanctifying yourself in Christ so that you can be holy like God said, be holy for I am holy, so that you can house his Holy Spirit, so you can do the will of God, call for your life. Do you know you have a call in your life, but you can't see it come to fruition? Some of you have a call in your life, and it is coming to fruition because of your obedience. You don't need correction. 
But some of y'all do need correction. Not necessarily in here, but God's telling me right now. You want to know why? Because children are more obedient to God than you are. Just because you carry a title and have a desk means nothing to God. He does not care. I can get on Facebook, put Apostle Prophet, this, 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 Chase Tinker. It means nothing if I am not walking in him. I'd rather just be Chase, a son of God, doing the will of God in Christ through the Holy Spirit and doing the will of my Father. I'd rather do that for the rest of my life than ever have a title in front of my name because it means nothing. But in the Holy Spirit, your title shows you how you operate in the kingdom. That's another sermon for another day. But don't seek a calling. Don't seek a title. Don't even want to if you don't know him. No. You want to talk to Christ? You can pray all day. You'll never hear anything back. The first way God wants to talk to you is this. That's the first way. That falls every time I preach. That's okay. That's the first way. What's the second way? Personally. Prayer is not you writing a letter to God and hoping it reaches them in two weeks. It is an open dialogue. Why? Because we don't have a temple anymore. We are. The temple that meant everything was rebuilt in three days. That's what we're celebrating today. Hi, baby. These kids don't bother me. If it bothers you, you'll need to go pray. And if you have just enough Holy Spirit where you're not comfortable. That means there's something in the way. God's not even mad at you. He just wants to show you what it is because he showed me this week. He showed me my perception wasn't wrong, but it wasn't full. It wasn't a completed understanding. And I, there, how do you get a complete understanding out of an infinite God? By the information he gives us. This is what he's given us to understand what he wants us to know right now. And there's even more than that. Jeremiah 33 comes to mind. Ask of me, and I will show you great and mighty things of which you do not know. Now, I have this Bible, and it is complete. It does not need correction, but God still wants to talk to you. Kenny Tinker is not in this Bible. My name is not in this Bible. No one here's name is in this Bible. None of your names are either. You can be named after people in here, but you're not here. But my goodness, does all this scripture apply to you? All of it. All of this word applies to you because it's living. It's living because Jesus was the word made flesh, and he's still alive today. So how can the word be dead? How can it be just a book? This word means nothing. This is just paper and leather. If Christ wasn't resurrected on the right hand of the Father right now. But this also means nothing if I'm not going to the one who wrote it. To honor the Holy Spirit does not dishonor the Son or the Father. In fact, to honor the Holy Spirit honors them all. Does it not? You can't honor the Holy Spirit by listening to him and calling him Lord. If you call him Lord, that means he's your Lord over all your life. And if he is, what is he going to say? Jesus Christ. He's going to be pointing to him. Let me show you how to get closer. What's Jesus going to say? Let me show you the Father and his will. And what does the Father say? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Of whose righteousness I see all of you in. But none of them. None of it matters if you're not walking in the Holy Spirit. We know that the Word says to put away all of our old fleshy ways and instead walk in the fruit of the Spirit. You can't do that without Him, can you? It's His fruit, not ours. So if we're walking in the Spirit and all of a sudden this, this, this fruit is, is blooming and you're seeing it, some, if you know somebody that has the fruits of the Spirit, they're probably walking in Him for quite some time. 
They got their stuff together. Because you, you can't live any more obedient than that. It doesn't mean perfection at all. But I want to encourage you that if you've noticed something missing, if you've noticed power missing in your life, if you've noticed things like this isn't just to call people out, but Jesus called people out and then showed them the truth. I can promise you the Holy Spirit is a promised gift of God, a down payment. He is here to live in us. God himself living in you. Christ does not live in you, and he never will. He is alive, as, as real as me and you, on the right hand of the Father. He was a living man, and yet God, who ascended on a cloud into heaven. Don't believe me? Go read Acts. If you don't believe that, ask the Holy Spirit to come reveal Christ to you. He will. You want to know how to be sanctified. Paul said, I don't even search my own heart, but the one who searches my heart is the one who searches the heart of man and God. Who's that? The Holy Spirit. You want to know what needs to live in your life? Say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me what you see in my heart that I should repent for. Simple prayer. Stop praying that God changes everybody else. Focus on yourself first, and you might be a living example of Christ in their life, and they might actually get some conviction of the Holy Spirit, or they might come to you for prayer. They might come and say, hey, I've been living this way for a long time, and I'm sick of it. You carry something I just can't explain. But I want to encourage you. All it takes is one prayer. This is a free gift that God has not taken back from you. He's saying, just repent. Turn to me and make me Lord. You can't make Christ Lord. can't make the Father Lord. The Holy Spirit's not Lord of your life. You can't. He's as much God as the Son and the Father. You can't ignore one and have the other two. It don't work like that because then you have two-thirds of one God. You know what two-thirds of me looks like? A wheelchair. God don't look like me. I look like him. God said, let us make man in our image. Who's talking? Who's he talking to? Offering. When Adam was formed and so was Eve, how did that happen? The Holy Spirit. When the earth was formed and all of creation was formed, how did it happen? Holy Spirit. Fruit, Christ, by the will of the Father. It never changes in any book of this Bible, the New Old Testament. It's the same way every time. The Holy Spirit does it through Christ, by the will and authority of the, of the Father. But with that, I'm closing. I'm going to pray again. Lord, in the